Dream Vision 7 Radio Network welcomes Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, heard every Monday at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time, using nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent afterlife evidence, quantum physics, consciousness research, and ancient writings, we seek to understand who and what we are, how reality works, the nature of God, and the meaning and purpose of our lives. Join Roberta Weekly to better understand our one reality and gain insights into how we can make the most of the glorious eternal beings that we are. Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. Today, we're going to talk about something controversial that should never be controversial. And we're going to talk about it with a bishop, no less. I don't know why I've been delaying having my friend Caleb back on Seek Reality. Uh, we've been talking about it, he and I, for a couple of years. I, I guess I thought that the topic of race relations in America was not really in Seek Reality's playing field. But for heaven's sake, <laughs> we've, we've had my wonderful friend Kelly Glover on as a guest repeatedly. And Kelly and I even wrote a book together called The Fun Living Together. We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. And, of course, that subtitle is a quote from the greatest American of the 20th century, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So Seek Reality hasn't exactly shied away from the topic of race relations. But, uh, but I guess I thought that Caleb and I might clash too strongly in our opinions on this subject. After all, Kelly and I are close personal friends and kindred spirits off air as well. But Dr. Caleb Kenga is also an academic. And while he and I find that we disagree about some things, that is a good thing, isn't it? I mean, we have to disagree until we get to the point of agreeing. Yes, you got to discuss things, you know. <laughs> As you can see, he doesn't even wait to be introduced. Dr. Caleb Kengo was a bishop in California for 32 years prior to moving to Texas a few years back. He wanted to be a prison chaplain, and I think he would have been a heck of a prison chaplain, but that turned out to be a trickier process in Texas. So now, and this may be outdated. He'll, you'll correct it, I'm sure, if it, if it is. But now he's a board-certified hospice chaplain, and and he works at Midlothian Methodist Medical Center. And he's also a hospice chaplain in the general Dallas, Texas area. Dr. Kalen Kenga has written nine books, and he holds several degrees in theology with a Ph.D. in religious studies. He's married to Kanitra Kenga, and together they have five children and five grandchildren. Caleb is also an avid reader, and he's a student of life after life studies. And his particular interest lies in bringing the truth that has been kept from the masses, especially as it pertains to Bible doctrines. Caleb, welcome. I'm so glad you're finally with us again. Yes, I am too, Roberta. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Why don't you mention what your books are? Wow, let me see. I got to try to remember these now. Uh, the first, the first one I wrote many years ago, back in nine in the nineties, was uh, the roots of deliverance, and you know, trying to get to the root of the cause of 
problems that people had. And uh, then I think the next one was the liberated mind. When I started studying a little psychology, I got a bachelor's in that and trying to help people to get them thinking together. And then the next one was creating your own reality. The next one was maximize your creative power. And me and my teacher, we did a book entitled, because I've studied some uh, uh, African spirituality, and me and my teacher wrote a book together, was uh, Africa's uh, Christianity Before Europe's Christ. I just wrote one uh, after reading materials from you and uh, Craig Hogan on uh, Remember Who You Are and Evolve. And that's the one that I read. I have just yeah. read it over the weekend. Yeah. All of yeah. your books are for people who are melanin enriched. And we've, we, we, we did some emailing and we just did some talking. And you, you told me that all of these books were written for people who are, are culturally deprived as well. They've, they've had a, 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 they're, they're basically trying to catch up now in, in the, 20th, 21st century America. And and why is that? Why do they still need to catch up even now? Well, uh, because so many things were purposely hidden from us. And the purpose of hiding things from us was to keep us in a place of control. And um, that's one of the reasons why I started even writing, because I just started studying and and seeing just how much had been kept away from us. We didn't know. Uh, we don't. We have uh, many of our people don't have any idea about afterlife and afterlife studies because we were so indoctrinated about hell, you know, which was another doctrine to scare us and control us. So I started writing things to try to help enlighten us. So we can understand that a lot of things that was given to us wasn't true. And then there was a lot of things that we should have received that we didn't. So in my studies, I started uncovering and discovering these things and wanted people to know. See, that really shocks me that, 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 that there is still, that that is still going on. Yes. Um, I'm, I guess I am really desperately naive. Um, and, and probably a lot of other people who are melanin deprived are, and, and for people who don't know what I'm talking about, um, th- this is a term which, which I guess Kelly and I started using because the, the difference between Kelly and me is that, um, my skin is very light and her skin is quite dark. And that's what we started referring to to as the difference between us, because there's really no other difference between us. Mm-hmm. Um, she, her, her, she, she comes actually from a background which is more, uh, more, more culturally enriched than mine is. Yeah. Um, my father was a bookkeeper. Her father was a professor, um, and she was more culturally advantaged than I was better educated in, in, in many ways. So uh, she was not disadvantaged in the way that the people you're trying to help were disadvantaged. Yes. And so um, when, when we have lunch, when we talk um, there, there's no cultural difference between us at all. 
And so we just think of, we, we talk about her being melanin enriched and non-melanin deprived, and that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, but you're saying that there still is this whole class of people or group of people in this country who really are a kind of underclass in terms of being grouped together and deprived of knowledge. Yes. Uh, of advantages. Yes. And that's just, it's just the way it is. I mean, I grew up uh, in South Central Los Angeles and, uh, you know, and even though we all make choices, but when you in, when you're in certain situations, you're kind of forced to make certain decisions based on the environment that you're living in and you grow up in. And so, um, all of that contributed to uh, some of the things that I'm trying to bring some knowledge to. And that's why I have such a desire to, to be in prisons and people that are on drugs and that type of thing, because I did all of that. And I know what it takes to get your mind together. And I even learned a lot from uh, Liberating Jesus, uh, your book uh, about forgiveness. And that's what in my new book, I had a section in there on letting go, trying to help people to understand we have to let some things go because what's more important is us evolving and raising the vibration in the earth and not holding on to old things. And so I got a lot out of that. And that's what another thing that I've really attempted to bring. Uh, uh, to people so they could understand that we have to, we can't just hold on to things, even though they were, they were cruel. They were, they were, uh, very insensitive things that happened. And, but, you know, we have to, and then you really made it clear when you said we don't have to ever want to go to coffee with them or, you know, be friends with them, but we gotta, we gotta let things go. For our own selves. And so it, that really helped me out to get a better understanding of forgiveness as well. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I, I wish I could claim any credit for that book, because, but I didn't actually, all I did is, was channel it. I just, it was just my fingers that, that kind of got used in writing yeah. that book. Mm-hmm. But 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 th- I, I'm I'm glad the book helped. Um, yes. I, forgiveness is the key because in, it, while you hold on to things, um, you don't. You're a prisoner of anything that you can't forgive. Right. It, it really, in the end, you're the victim of it. But um, when, when Kelly and I decided, and in, in, during one lunch, we were having lunch together and and talking about what we could do to to try to do our own little bit of healing. And in one lunch, we figured out why there's still a racial problems in this country. I mean, it's nice to solve these, these little problems over lunch. And we, we figured out that it probably was because there, there, the, uh, the end of the civil war didn't bring um, any kind of real emancipation immediately. They went right into um, the, uh, you know, 150 years of, uh, of, what what amounted to an extension of slavery um yes. that there there was there was no there was no attempt to help people uh to to build lives for themselves that were in any sense free it was just yes. another kind of slavery of uh, the jim crow period in the south yes and 
And, um, you know, some people escaped to the north, but they weren't treated a whole lot better. And and so how, how do you fix that? And that's why we wrote The uh, the Fun of Living Together. And yes. so I did a lot of research at that time, and it really was was a very painful awakening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, how do you fix that now? You know, reparations won't fix it. Um, there's not no people who did any of that are alive now. There's no, well, there's- and that, and that's true, Roberta. Uh, they're not alive now. Even the even the people that uh that are uh, melanin enriched like myself, descendants of uh, the enslaved, uh, have all passed away. But the thing that I don't think people really understand is that uh, people today that was that are alive today that wasn't alive then are still living good off of what happened during that day. There are banks and other institutions that have been raised up from the backs of those that were enslaved, and those are the things that that's reparations won't fix everything. But it's a start because we never got anything. And even the Bible that they that they claim to believe says that you don't release a person, a servant from serving like, uh, you know, a slave or whatever you want to call it, an indentured servant. You don't release them without giving them something to get started. That didn't happen. And so that's, no, it didn't happen. It didn't. Yeah. So that's part of, you know, they promised 40 acres and a mule. And uh, of course, that's changed quite considerably now, you know. But uh, the point is, we didn't receive anything. We just was, and then they said you can come back and work for us after you are released, and uh, and become sharecroppers, share the crops, and then you share the crops, and then you had to buy clothing and the things that you needed from the uh, the owner of the land and then at high interest rates and you never got out of paying that back so you were actually re-enslaved right back on that plantation oh, it was terrible it was terrible yeah but but who but who owes that to them i mean for example um every one of my ancestors uh, in this country all of them came to this country after 1900. Yeah. Do I owe you anything? No, not so much you uh, you personally, but the people that were enriched from the backs of those that were enslaved that are still uh, prospering today and living from that wealth. They're, still, they're not alive today, but they still have uh, the wealth that was produced from the backs of those that were enslaved, they're living good today because of that. But if they're so, not alive, they're not living. No, they're not living, but their their people, the their, their generation as they came after them are living and enjoying the wealth that was made from their ancestors that are now deceased. But they made that wealth and got that wealth from the backs of those that were enslaved. And so we're here today with nothing still because nothing was ever given. And then those that were, that were enriched, greatly enriched from the, from the backs of the, uh, from the enslaved are living good today because that's generational wealth that's been passed on. 
So, so if, if someone, let, let's say that, that I don't owe you anything, but suppose, just for an example, I had married someone who had an ancestor who, um, you know, everybody could, would, would be, could be forced to trace back their ancestry. And I had married someone who had one ancestor who owned slaves. Yes. Then our family would have to parcel around and see what percentage of what we owned um, could be traced back. And maybe we don't own much now, though, but maybe one sixteenth of what we own could be traced back. And we would have to give that much into a pool that would be built, would be uh, considered to be uh, all then. Just trying to understand how this could work. Yeah, I, I don't know how it could work. I'm just, I'm just trying to understand. It seems to me it would be very divisive, though, at this point, to try to do something like that. We have to understand. We have to figure out what the what is the goal we're trying to achieve now. Well, the goal that we need to achieve is based on the system that was created. Is that really true? The goal we're trying to achieve is based on the system. The system that was built based based off the wealth that came from the backs of the enslaved. Now it's a system and we are locked out of the system. I'm not sure that's true, though, Caleb. I think the goal we're trying to achieve is a system based on love and forgiveness in which everyone shares justly in a future where everyone is able to prosper. I think that's what matters. I look around me now and I see some people who came to this country with nothing, whether they came on a slave ship or whether they came in steerage. My ancestors all came in steerage. They were dirt, dirt poor farmers. And they were farmers here too, dirt poor. And some of them prospered, some of them did not, but they came with nothing. And um, some of them did well, and but they they had to they had to do it the hard way. I think that the main thing that people who are melanin enriched or melanin deprived need to do now is have an equal chance to get a good education. I mean, what what Kelly and I agreed to that day was most needed by everybody is a great education and a great chance to feel good about themselves from from infancy, from childhood, and a great chance to have a great life in a country which gives them the opportunity to have a great life. Because, I mean, I look around me, I see, I see some people who are very melanin-enriched, who have really made it in this country, and and they all they all deserve an equal chance to do that. And I I think that trying to redress ancient wrongs might retard that opportunity rather than enrich it. Because we focus on the past, we are not looking toward the future. Where should our eyes be? And I, and I, again, and again, and again, I look at Dr. King and I say, the man was right. I, I, the reason I focus so much on him is that I, I never, 
growing up, I, I grew up in the North and I, and I never saw a single person who was not melanin deprived. I never saw a single person of, who was not of my own race alive, you know, not, not in a picture until I went to college, believe it or not. Yeah. But I did see it on television. I was, I saw, I, I, I saw the racial problem on television and I, I, then I saw, that's how, that's where I met Dr. King. I, I, I fell in love with this unassuming man, all in black and white, because we only had a black and white TV. And I saw the racial problem in black and white on TV. And I saw this man who looked, he was a, he was a short man, but he had this big voice and he said big things. And I, I could, I could not get enough of him on TV. And the things he said were so wonderful. And I was in college when one morning the news came that he had been killed. Someone killed him. Someone assassinated that man, my Dr. King. That's how personal it was for me. And walking to class with this, with this friend of mine who, who I thought she was a friend of mine, but she was from New Orleans. And when I, and I was crying. So I said, someone assassinated Dr. King. And I met someone who was racist for the first time in my life. And she, she, she was angry with me for using the word assassinated. He wasn't assassinated. He wasn't a public figure. She said to me, I'll never forget it. And she never spoke to me again for using that word. Well, that person you spoke to is really the spirit that's in this nation still today. You have to understand how transformative that was for me. I heard racism for the first time in my life. Yeah, but it's still here. Okay, but that's what we have to get rid of. How do we get rid of that? Will reparations get rid of that? No, well, that's what I'm saying. That's a start. No, it won't get rid of it. It's a system. We have a system. We have a system of racism here. That's why we fill the prisons. We we're, we're only twelve percent of the population, but we seventy five percent in the prison. That's that's a oh, system. Oh, I know because I studied the prisons. Well, that is the system. That 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 what you studied in the prison is the system that's everywhere. And even the people can come over here that are not melanin enriched and go to the bank and get a loan and open a business. When we come over, they don't even let us come over here. When ships come here from Haiti, when people try to get here from Haiti, they turn them around. Well, but how do we get rid of the racism? That's what we have to get rid of, Caleb. And I'm not sure. To, the, people, the people that's responsible. Yeah, but let's get rid of the racism. And I don't think reparations is how you do it. No, I and didn't I, say that. You're not listening. Until I said that the, the problem it starts with uh, it starts with giving back to those that were deprived uh, and, and 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 doing what's necessary to have a a, a level playing field. We've never. That's what the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment was all about. The government established that in the Constitution because of the racism and all that we were deprived from when we was released. From enslavement, they they yeah. even put it in the amendments because they yeah. saw that it was a problem. And now today, the government is saying that that should be inclusive for everybody. That's not what it was. It was it was race specific. It was race yeah. specific for I, us. I know I because know. of being deprived. And so 
that's the problem. And, and, and that's the hard thing to try to get people to understand. Nobody's begging for nothing. Nobody. We just trying to get a level playing field because we know what to do. And once we can get in a level playing field, we know how to take care of ourselves. We didn't need anybody coming to Africa to try to tell us how to live and what to do. We have got to get those kids a great education. Every single one of them needs the best education on earth. And we have got to get, we've got to straighten out those damn prisons. I'm sorry to swear, but that's the problem. Yeah. The school to prison pipeline, we've got to end that. But that's just one, that's just one of the many problems I'm trying to say. It's a big problem. I have, I've studied it all. No, really, that is a huge problem. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, that's huge. just but that's just like you I know that's a huge problem, but that's one of many problems. It's not just the only problem. It's huge. I mean I I it's it's um we we didn't get nearly all of these things into the book, but it's much all of those are much more important than rep- reparations at this point. I think reparations would it's like salt on the wound. But I think that if we get get the kids a great education, if we I think we have to burn the prisons to the ground and start over because that is a much more serious problem than most people even realize because it's not in front of their faces. If they, if people knew a tenth of what goes on with regard to the prison system in this country, they would all be, you know, burning those prisons down. I mean, there are prisons in this country where you've got three generations of black men. It's terrible. You have a lot of black men in prison because you you keep saying about reparations, I know it's not the answer, but if there was a way to start giving people back what they never received, then that would solve a lot of the problem because you got a lot of poor people that's trying to survive that was never given an even playing field. That's why a lot of the prisons are filled. Men are robbing and stealing and doing everything, trying to survive because they never had a level playing field, and we were deprived from enrichment. Let, let's have let's have a good education. Even now, if there were a way to get those men a decent education, so they could they could make a decent living and they could have a family, I think that would make a huge difference. Then once they get the education, Roberta, then who's going to hire them? Oh, I think a lot of people, there's a, there's a shortage. I, I work with, I still work because I love what I do. I actually do. And, um, I, I work with a lot of small businesses and many of them hire, some of them make a, make a, a point of hiring people who have been imprisoned, who need a second chance. No question. Yeah. You know who hires us when we go to prison? Walmart and Walmart pays $9 an hour. No, no, it, it, it's not just Walmart. If, if they get a, if they get a practical skill, um, uh, become electricians, um, because you, you know what, you know what's the best? Uh, if, if they become welders, um, welders can earn $200,000 a year. No question. I understand that. But what I'm trying to understand, get you to understand is, is that it's not the same playing field for everybody. Yes, we have a we have a few melanin rich people that's doing well. You know, we got our Oprah Winfrey's and people that are doing well, but that's just a small minority of people. Our group has been suffering ever since that enslavement period. It's just that's just the way it is. 
The trouble is it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a very uncomfortable percentage. If it were 5% of the population, it would be easier to handle. If it were 25% of the population, it would actually be easier to manage too. 15% is, is not a small enough percentage to get sympathy, and it's not a big enough percentage to, that the people would feel forced to deal with it. 15% is, 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 is we, this is another thing we discovered when we worked with it, Kelly and I. It, it's a, it's an awkward percentage to deal with, but we can manage it. If we all work together, we can manage and we can fix this problem. But we have to do it in a way that we, that it's comfortable with, with the larger percentage, you know, the, the, the 85% is is made to feel good about what they're doing and yet it also it works and education is the key that's what we really came up with education is going to be the key by the way i think your book is very good and i think that it won't only be melanin enriched people who can benefit from it because when what what you do is you take what you've learned about you know how the world works and you put it together um you know, you, you, you learned a lot of it from Craig, I noticed from Craig Hogan. Yeah. Um, and and you, you put it together in a way that makes sense for people to, to be, begin to learn, the, you know, spirituality in a very scientific way. It's, it works, it works well. I, I, I commend your book. Good yeah, for I, really, you. I really enjoy, I really enjoy his writings. And uh, I have, uh, I have two or three of his books, two or three of his writings. And, uh, uh, I really got really got involved in the uh, uh, afterlife studies because that was another big thing that, uh, as I started out saying earlier, that we were deprived from. We didn't know where well, we knew about it, but then after the enslavement period, so many things was taken away from us because we understood the importance of uh, communication with our ancestors and things of that nature. But after so many generations of, uh, of being away from it, we got away from it. So that's just one, another one of those things that was hidden. And, uh, we was given another story, uh, concerning people, period. So, you know, it's, uh, we just, we, we just didn't get the things and were able to hold on to the things that we knew. And uh, once you are in a situation where you are uh, deprived of your information and, and things of that nature, you know, after generations of that, you uh, get away from it. And then you give it a story that even you talked about in Liberating Jesus about how some of those things that were in that Bible were uh, obviously wasn't said <laughs> by Jesus or the Messiah, you know, but we, we got a, we got a book and, and I, I, you may have read in my last book there that you read that uh, we were given a Bible based on what other people wanted us to read only. They didn't want us to read anything about being free, about being one with the uh, divinity and things of that nature. They didn't want us to have that knowledge. They wanted us to be totally dependent on 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 what they wanted us to be dependent on and and took us completely away from our spirituality so now that's another thing that I'm working hard to do is help us to understand that's why your books and Craig's books and and the knowledge that I can get from those help me to put things together 
so uh, the melanin-enriched people that I'm a part of can understand <laughs> that a lot of things that we received was just not so. Yeah, no, I, 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 I actually, I really do enjoy, um, I enjoy our conversations. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I just think it's so important for your people, who are really my people too, to, mm-hmm. to, to look forward because there's so much opportunity. There's so much that's possible now. I think, I think you don't, one of the things you don't fully understand is how much sympathy there is for, for the struggle that, mm-hmm. that, um, that, that the people who are in your people situation really get from the people in my my people's situation, because we are all one people. And, and um, I, I, I know I certainly, I, I certainly feel so much for, uh, because we all really are, 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 we have so much more in common than you realize. I mean, my, my grandparents were dirt farmers and dirt poor and, and um, their situation was not that different from the, from the, from the, dirt farmers in the South um, after the civil war. Uh, they were, they were beholden to just about everybody. Um, my, my grandmother raised uh, chickens and sold the eggs. Um, she was, she was living just about the same way the the, uh, the, the, the farmers were living in the South. And, and uh, I mean, I saw it and, and I, I empathize very much. With the, with the struggle that you're, 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 you're had. I mean, yes, they were in the cities, but it's not that different. Many of them were in the South as well. And mm-hmm. we all want to help people have a better life. We all want them to come up in the world. And we especially want the children to have a better life. And the schools in this country, uh, the public schools are pretty atrocious. We all know that. We can see that now. I mean, after COVID especially, we, we are getting a better glimpse of the schools. And a lot of the parents who have kids in the schools are saying, you know, hey, wait a minute. Uh, you know, let's start children teaching the children a lot better than they have been taught. Let's, let's give the children the best possible chance at the best possible life. And, uh, and that's true of all the children. And especially the children who maybe haven't had as good a chance in the past. Let's, let's give them the best possible chance and much better chance than their parents and grandparents ever had. So, um, you know, now is the golden moment for those children. And, and, um, there's much, much more sympathy than you, I think, even understand for the people you're trying to help. Um, I mean, I think we could, we, we can find found foundations. And if we, if we put out the right, uh, you know, if we put together the right, the right programs for the kids, um, there, there's going to be plenty of money to get the kids to where they need to go and to get the, the right educations for them. You'd be amazed, I think, at what's there for them. Yeah. I do believe that there's more good in this earth than it is evil and wickedness. But I also know that there's certain people that's, that sit in different seats of power that's not thinking along those terms. That's true. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, so we, we, you know, there's a, there's a group 
there's a group that's privileged and there's a group that's not privileged. And, and as poor as a white person can be, or, uh, or they still have more favor than somebody with skin like mine. That's just the way it is. It's not going, it's, it hasn't changed. And I don't know what it's going to take to change that. So the biggest thing that I do personally is do what I can to try to help people change themselves individually and uh, rise above certain things and, and get their thinking together and let certain things go so they can, so they can rise and help bring a greater energy and a greater vibration in the earth because there's some people that are just stuck where they are and they don't care to change and they're not going to change. They don't want to change and they sit in the seats of power and in the government. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. I think we're seeing that more too. And I think people are, are, are fed up with that. Yeah. They, they, they want to be, we, we all want to be governed by people who care about all of us, even the least of us, and want to encourage those who want to improve themselves to go as far as they can. Yeah. And to, <laughs> and to succeed and to, yeah. you know, to live, to live good lives and live, live lives lived for others. Um, no, I, 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 I think that we have much more in common in what we want and what want for the world than, than you may realize. Um, well, I know that, but it's certain people that don't want to embrace that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's as true. A, you, as human beings, there's a, should be a whole lot more in common. We should be one. Yep. One people, one, one, we should be, we should be, uh, 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 different, uh, one soul in different bodies. That's what it should be. That's true. But it's not. Yes, that's true. But um, I, I think that many of people in power, there's something there, there's who said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that many, many people believe that there's racism, but I, I just don't see it anymore. I mean, even in very private conversations, I, I, The most private conversations that I have with clients, with friends, I I just, I have not, the only racism I've ever even seen in my life, and I say this to you quite honestly, was that day with that friend of mine who was shocked that I would say that Dr. King had been assassinated. That stands out in my entire life as the only time anyone's ever, ever said anything to me that was racist. Well, that was the first time you encountered it, but that was just an encounter of of the spirit that inhabits this nation. Maybe, but, but no one's ever said anything like that to me before or yeah. since. Yeah. Before or since. Well, see, the energy that you carry, that energy attracts you to people with like energy. Like attracts like, but... And so you have separated yourself from certain things that you're just not exposed to and you won't be exposed to really based on, based on the color of your skin. But every, and when you, when you, and when you wake, when you wake up in the morning, 
You don't have to think about you, you being white or anything like that. But every time a black person wakes up in the morning, they got to remind themselves of who they are. They got to teach their children what to say, how to talk to the police. And we got certain things that we have. We are governed by based on the racism. We have to educate our children. If you get stopped by the police now, you be as kind as you can because all they need is one little slip up and you're dead. Yeah. We tried very hard to educate our kids, too. I yeah. mean, for example, when, when, when we moved, um, I think I told you this, we ended up buying a big piece of land in Massachusetts. And we, we knew before we moved in, and we thought this was a big plus, that our next door neighbors were going to be Dick and Lily and Gregory and their 10 kids. And we thought that was a big, big plus. Um, we ended up building our house right next to theirs. We had, we could have we had could have built it anywhere on 160 acres because we built bought this big piece of land. We thought it was a great plus that they were going to be our neighbors because our kids sure did grow up not being racist. That's for sure. They played with black kids their whole growing up. Yeah, but see, that was an exception. That's why I told you when we was talking uh, a couple of days ago, you are a rare exception to what's normal. Unfortunately, that has become the norm, but you are a very rare exception in the, in the exposure that you had with your family. Obviously, your parents didn't have a problem either, you know, so you got you you picked up certain things that most people didn't. And so he was a very enjoyable neighbor, actually. He was yeah. he was I, I never met a more eccentric guy than Dick Gregory. He yeah. was he always had some new thing he was into yeah. always something strange and he wanted us he wanted us to know about it almost right away he would bring yes. it up some saturday morning and talk to us about it whatever it was always always something nutritional but that's what you do when you love people when you just well, yeah people. because he that's was really why, interesting. That's, why, that's why i do what i do as a board certified chaplain at my ministry I, I remember an incident when I worked at Walmart for a short stint when I just needed to do something. And uh I met a 23-year-old uh young lady, a white young lady, and she was negative and she came and her family was negative. And I stayed there six months and been and and she couldn't have any children, and she was saying the wrong things and talking wrong. I became her personal minister, her personal pastor. We worked together every day. She come in to work two months, about two months later and said, guess what? I'm pregnant. But oh, she, be how she, wonderful. she became my student. I taught her. I educated her and even talked to her after I left that place and after she had her child. But, you know, I don't have a problem with people. But but that's just not the norm. You know, I've learned how to evolve and to just be who I am. And uh, I don't I don't I don't have those kind of issues. But anybody white, anybody black, a black man or a black woman in America have a right to be angry. We just need to learn how to channel that anger to something positive and get something positive out of it. But, but the thing is, if you forgive everybody, then you're not angry anymore. And well, then you see, can be happy all the time. Well, you have to learn how to channel because based on if you, uh, you, you know, you forgiving is one thing, but knowing what is still happening, that doesn't help. 
you can forgive, but if the, and then you walk out the door and the same thing happens again, you know, so you just have to learn how to live in a space to keep yourself together. And so you can continue to be what you need to be in the earth because what's around you is not going to go anywhere. I mean, and they've proven that over, over the years since the 1800s. Yeah, everybody yeah. forgives. Yeah. Then it does move a mountain. Then it yeah. really does. Then things really do change. Yeah. Everybody has to do something about change. And that's what we yes. were talking that's about. That's right. Too. Exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly everybody. Right. Everybody has to change. I mean, the government has to change. The the people that govern govern this place has to. Everybody needs change, but everybody don't want change. Right, and that's the problem. That's why critical race theory is coming in because too many people are forgiving, and they can't let that happen because the whole racism thing has been very good for the government. Yeah, if they can keep the antagonism going, then they have a good good gig going. So mm-hmm. we have to just defeat critical race theory, and that's the last gasp of racism in this country. Yeah. But see, what the, the problem with critical race theory, as I said in my book, is that uh, it's, it's part of what racist people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want the truth. Out. The truth, uh, a black history is American history. We are part of the American story. And it's American history. Everybody needs to know the truth. Everybody needs to know the true history. That's what I was saying in my book. I wasn't saying, uh, uh, you know, trying to start nothing or, or recreate anything. But everybody, if we're going to teach me history in school, teach me all of it. That's right. That's right. See, and that's what they're doing with the critical race theory. They done labeled it and they don't want to teach that part because it makes a certain group of people don't look good and they don't, they want to continue to look a certain way. So they don't want to talk about it. If you're not, if you're not going to teach history, uh, in its truest form, then don't teach it at all. Remove it from the school. Don't even teach it. They teach it as if that's, for example, the reason that the Revolutionary War was fought and all that. That's just absolute nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I, I teach it as 13% of American history, and I'm happy to have you teach it that way. But yeah. no, I mean, the, this woman who is behind critical race theory is insane. And she, if she, I mean, for example, she teaches that Thomas Jefferson was the father of the Hemings children. He was not. His brother was. And I can prove it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, let, teach the truth. If you're going to teach anything, teach the truth. That's all we're saying. That's all I'm trying to say. We need the truth. We need the truth. Don't don't try to cover up the truth. Teach the truth. Teach it, teach it all as a balanced set of facts. That's yes. all. Because these children today, they're not stupid. They know you're trying to keep something from them. They know how to go look it up for themselves. They're going to know anyway. Right. So Just teach the truth, my dear. That's, that's all right. That's all we got to do is teach the truth. And then everybody can do what they need to do. We can start doing what's necessary to heal because we all need to be healed and get ourselves in a better place and understand that we are one people in this earth. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't all this separation that, that is going on in this right. earth. We're one. We are one people, but that, but that is, it's a segment of society that don't want to receive that. Yes, but that's getting to be a smaller and sadder segment because we are truly all one people. So we sadly are coming to the end of our time now, Caleb. Can you believe it? What yeah. do you want people to take away from, from our conversation today? 
I want people to take away from this particular conversation that we have to do what's necessary to deal with ourselves as individuals so we can raise the vibration in the earth so we can all live like we're supposed to live so we can all share and be be love we are we are love from the beginning we we came here before we were birthed in this earth we are love we are love we are service we're here to love and to serve one another we are here for that purpose to love to serve and to evolve and if we can just know that and understand that and get that within us we would we would get rid of all this foolishness and be what we need to be. <laughs> well said, my dear. Yeah. Beautifully said. Mm-hmm. That's right, friend Caleb. Mm-hmm. Caleb's website is Caleb Kenga with two G's, K-A-L-E-M-K-E-N-G-G-A dot com. Beautifully said and big hug, my friend. Big hug to you too, my friend Roberta. Thank you so much. <laughs> This has been stimulating. And we'll have you back because this has been fun. And again, we have come to the end of our time. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get that, it changes everything, everything for the better. Next week, our guest will be Peter Wright, and he'll be with us. Amazingly, for the 14th time, Peter will be here to talk about something I don't ever like to talk about. He'll be talking about removing negative attachments. He now tells me they trouble many people, which, wow, I hate to think about that. He says he's he's able to remove them in most cases in only one session. And he tells me many people are troubled by certain specific kinds of issues, and they don't even realize those issues are caused by attachments, which, wow, I hate to think about. He'll talk about what kinds of issues those are, how this process goes, and wow, how how easy the cure is. You really have to hear this, so please be sure to join us next week. And this week, we've been talking with Dr. Kalem Kenga, who has, this has been Kalem's second Seek Reality appearance, and he startled Mm -hmm. me so much the first time that it's been more than two years, and we've been talking about having him come back, and I finally said, okay, Um, because I, I, I try not to make this be a show about racial issues, but I think all of us can agree that it's finally time to move past all of that. We are one people blessed with and sharing one great nation. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, and he was, in fact, we are learning more and more that he was the greatest American of the 20th century. The world will show that in the end. We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. And my friend, Dr. Caleb Kanga, and I can agree that the time at last is now. And, of course, now it's once again time to mention that Seek Reality Online is your one-stop resource for all things death and the afterlife. Just go to SeekReality.com and start to learn for yourself what really is going on and the fact that you truly are a powerful, eternal being. It's impossible for you ever to die. SeekReality.com, your reality actually is eternal. 
And as you know, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, Mike Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, and The Fun of Living Together, and very soon now, within days, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's the fun of meeting Jesus, and you can order all these books through bookstores on Amazon, and the adult books are also available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about anything at all, you can always contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer every email. Just please be sure to give me your correct email address. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available just about everywhere that you can find podcasts. And many people tell me they just listen each week through the Seek Reality app that you can find for free just about anywhere you can get free apps. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy. Please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being. And you in particular, you in all the universe, most of all, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. This is DreamVision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hello.